This episode of the Student Housing Insight Podcast is sponsored by Euphorus VR. Leasing a new development or a property that is going through a facelift requires its leasing staff to present to the prospects an illustration of what the property will look like and feel like when that prospect moves in. Nothing delivers that illustration better than a virtual reality tour. But not all VR designs are created equal. Euphorus VR is leading the way in high-quality VR tours for all real estate sectors, but they really have a passion for student housing, and it comes through in their work. I'm currently using Euphorus on a project for one of my clients, and I was blown away at how realistic their work is. I shared it with the interior designer of the project, and she actually canceled the interior photo shoot because... She felt like her work was better represented by Euphorus than what her photographer could do after the project was delivered. Imagine how that quality will translate to a prospect. And if your property is already delivered, but you realize your website just isn't converting traffic into tours, it's because your model isn't open at 10 p.m. Euphorus can help you as well by photo scanning your model unit and your amenities so prospects can tour anytime they want when it's convenient for them. So check them out at euphorus.com. That's U-F-O-R-S.com. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who are bringing student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and joining me today is the newest co-host of the podcast and author of Releasing a Counterintuitive Approach to Leasing Apartments, Willie Butler. Oh man, Wes, I can't express how excited I am to be on here, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I tell you, I, I don't know how you and I have both been in this industry for as long as we have, and we haven't crossed paths until this past year, <laughs> but we reached out to each other back in March, April time frame, and it has been uh, it has been a journey. <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been great getting to to know you and and understanding your goals and, and your passion for this industry. And, you know, after the first time we talked, I knew at some point in time, you were going to be on this podcast and more than just you've, you know, we've had one of your previous idea presentations from our Florida summit, you know, in the podcast, but I, I knew that you'd probably be playing a bigger role at some point in time. So welcome to that and looking forward to, you know, all the content that you'll end up bringing our audience over certainly over this next year and hopefully longer than that. But, but Hey, just, you know, really quick for our audience, for those that, that don't know you, give us kind of a little bit of your journey in student housing and, and what's led up till now. Oh, absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. So I guess it all started back in 2009 in Cheney, Washington, where I was just a, a community assistant back at the Grove apartments in Cheney. I worked under campus crest communities and Went through a few trials, tribulations, and just about everything else that every <laughs> aspiring community assistant or anybody new into this industry is going to find, right? I mean, student housing isn't necessarily a, you know, it's, it's, it's very unique in the fashion, right? There's a different mindset that comes associated with it. So, you know, coming into the space, there was, there was a lot of trials, a lot of challenges, situations and circumstances. But, you know, I found a lot of success in my um, career in the leasing and marketing side of things. So, 
that kind of led me to continuing to grow with Campus Crest in the sales manager capacity. And then, you know, with the HSRE acquisition, Asset took it over and I grew with Asset yeah. Living quite a bit. I mean, that was the majority of my career. And, you know, just climbing the ladder from the leasing side of things to the new development side, we're uh, working as lease up specialists. And then I was fortunate enough to join the corporate capacity and held multiple roles. But at the latter end of my career working with Asset, I actually served as the training developer, being on a team of three people really helping cultivate and bring together the, um, the training department. And I, I built this passion, I built this enthusiasm for leasing, marketing and training specifically, right? And um, that kind of got me to where I am today. And that was the abridged version, the shortest version I know, but <laughs> that's kind of my career over the span of since 2009 to now today, um, two months from 2020. So, so now you've got the book. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also, a little bit about the new company that you've started. Do you want to share anything about that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm excited. So to kind of start off with the book, so it all kind of started with the book itself. So releasing a counterintuitive approach to apartment leasing. Honestly, when I came into the industry and I was a uh, sales manager, all I could ask for was something of this of this nature, right? Um, I would reach out to my my kind of upper management and kind of reach out to, for any resources. Like I was a fish out of water, didn't necessarily know how to sell anything to save my life, let alone manage a team to become <laughs> excellent salespeople. So you know, fish right. out of water, and I was just reaching out for all resources. Fell in love with the movie Wolf on Wall Street. Fell in love with Boiler Room. Fell in love with <laughs> just about anything sales related that I could find. And just everything was just kind of generic information. Very great content, whether it was from Strength Finder 2.0 to, you know, another book that one of my upper management gave me. It was First Break All the Rules. Like a lot of great books, a lot of great content that I read, but nothing specific to the student housing industry per se. So I would yeah. read the content and I would try to turn it into whatever I could, but it was nothing that, you know, kind of gave me that blueprint or at least any direction towards student housing specifically. So know a lot feeling. of what I learned had to be built by trial by fire and, you know, kind of trying it, trying it, trying it, throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. And yeah. then um, I was fortunate enough to identify like a few techniques that worked and develop a recipe that worked. And it served to be a catalyst to help me find a lot of success in the leasing side of things throughout my career. And then I joined the corporate capacity, whereas I would have to consult like a lot of different managers and I would have to go down to the uh, on-site teams and help out. And I would find them finding a lot of struggles the same way that I found them, the same things, same mistakes that I made. I would see a lot of people doing it. And in the moments that I was there in like the three-day, four-day windows that I would be able to serve with these teams, I would see just a major shift in perspective and I loved it. Like I fell in love with just being able to be behind the mindset shift and the newfound inspiration and the renewed motivation that these managers and aspiring like leasing managers would find. And I said, man, I really want to do this on a bigger scale. Like I want to do it beyond just a PDF or beyond another podcast or beyond a webinar that I know nobody's watching. Like they're kind of just doing their <laughs> audits or payroll in the background. Yeah, right? yeah. I wanted to do it something sustainable, be able to offer this perspective shift long term. So I wrote a book. And man, ever since September 10th, 2019, when it actually released, people have fell in love with it. I The amount of comments that I've gotten, the, uh, the amount of good feedback that I've received, and the amount of inquiries for a second book is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome, but I'm just getting over the first one. But <laughs> things, <laughs> things have been going great. And it served to it served to the purpose exactly what I wanted. But I didn't necessarily want it to be like a how to book. Say, hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, 
you're going to be successful because that would be naive of me, right? To believe that every market is 100% the same and I can exactly. put a book together that's going to say, hey, in Tallahassee, you can do this, but you can also do it in Gainesville. Hey, take it up to Washington, you know, Cheney, you can do that, right? Like that would be naive, right? Um, That would right. be a whole encyclopedia at that point. But I took the perspective of, I wanted to dive into the 80%. And when I say the 80%, I'm a firm believer that to find success in just about anything, it's 80% psychological and 20% technical. So this book is deeply rooted in that 80%. And um, I wanted something that is easily digestible. People can hold on to, people can read and um, find, find the authentic kind of raw nature and you know sit back on their porch and enjoy it, have a good laugh, but also be able to take content from it and apply it in their daily lives. So in short, that's releasing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think you've hit on all of those things. The response has been great, and and it's really kind of it, it's gotten. I, I think it's kind of started a discussion, you know, with uh, at least among the leasing professionals within our industry of you know how to how to overcome some things, how to I don't even want to say think outside of the box, but just figure it out. And, yeah. and so, yes, thank you for for putting that into the world. And I know you've got some other big plans coming up. We've got a wedding date scheduled so far, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. September 8th, <laughs> 2020. We're going to Morocco. Wes, you got to be there. <laughs> hey, I find any reason for me and my wife to get out of the country and, and leave the kids with grandparents and <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. So, well, well, there you go, man. September 8th. Put it on your calendar. You have a reason. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, you've also become not just a presenter at our summits, but you've you've also the last two that we had this fall, you were our our MC and did just a fantastic job. I want to thank you for for your commitment to that. What I found myself doing, you know, these conferences, there's there's a lot that goes into the planning of it, and you see it one way in your you know in your mind, and then there's always going to be technical difficulties or whatever. And as I was kind of playing the, the MC and the, you know, content provider (laughs) and the the tech guy and everything else, it was, it it affected things because it was one of those things where I would get distracted by a technical issue. You know, something wasn't recording, the light wasn't set right or whatever, and it would just ruin my mood. And of course that came through. And yeah. and so for the folks that came to the first two this year in Cincinnati and Florida, um, my apologies for that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was one of those things where I was just like, you know, I, I've got to let it go. I've got to, I've got to bring, you know, somebody in that can, that can do that and keep things focused on um, not just the flow of everything, but also just bringing excitement. Like, you know, this is one of these things where you're out of the office for the day and, you know, you're, you're focused on making yourself better. You know, you want to have somebody that that's interacting with you in, in that format. And so that was a huge help. I, I greatly appreciate for you stepping in and doing that. And I think, uh, I think everybody is, has really taken a lot away from it. Um, Um, yeah, I would almost be selfish to say thank you because I probably have more fun doing it than not. Right. (laughs) It was a blast. It was a good time. So I guess you're welcome, but I should be saying thank you myself, man. Um, it was an absolute pleasure being a part of it and I can't wait for next year's. Um, and anybody who didn't get a chance to attend, you know, don't make the same mistake twice. It was a blast. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, before you and I even got on this call today, I got a, uh, or as we were getting on this call, I got a LinkedIn message from somebody saying, hey, I wasn't able to go any this next year. Uh, I'm not, you know, there's nothing in, our, in the budget. He's an assistant manager and he's like, there's nothing in our budget that, you know, allows me to go to anything. When's the next one? Because I want to start saving up. So <laughs> I that, uh, I tell you that, that kind of stuff means the world. And, and I know we're, we're doing some great things to uh, to help people in their in their journey in this industry. Absolutely. Um, but hey, speaking of conferences, you were able to go to the annual NMHC conference this year um, in Chicago. I wasn't able to go, and uh, <laughs> it was one of those things where I reached out to NMHC and I said, "Hey, can you go in my place?" Because Willie really needs to see you know the bigger part of the industry that you really get at this conference and. You know, I had some other prior commitments and just just couldn't make it. And uh, and they're like, yeah, sure, let's let's do it. So fortunately, you had some some time on your schedule to to be able to do that. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm kind of wondering you being the person that that's been focused on on leasing and training and that type of thing, really being involved with the on site personnel. You know, this is your first time going to it, but uh, NMHC is also something that. You know, I've I've done it in a prior video that's on our YouTube channel. If anybody ever wants to go look at it, but I I was always getting this question of, hey, what conference should I go to? I'm a property manager, or I'm a leasing manager, or I'm a regional manager. You know, what conference should I, you know, should I be focused on? And NMHC is one of those. One, it's 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 really expensive, and it's something that you know get that investment out of it, you need to make sure that you're, that you're going for the right reasons. And Absolutely. it's, uh, it's something that I, I like it from a standpoint of, it, it gives you a big picture of, of the capital markets and kind of all these things, even, uh, even trade with, with China and how that's affecting things. And then it also, you know, gets down to the nitty gritty of, of, you know, I know this year they had a panel of, of COOs talking about, you know things that are happening at the at the site level that from a portfolio perspective they're trying to overcome or implement and i really just wanted to kind of get your perspective is this being your first time going what did you take away from it and you know if there's anything you want to share i'd love for you to share that oh yeah absolutely so full transparency this was my first time i was kind of uh again fish out of water i didn't necessarily know what to expect but i guess um the great thing about it is after coming back from it, now I've learned quite a bit how to navigate, um, you know, in a major because it's not your typical conference, right? Had the opportunity to go to LeaseCon. It was more, you know, speaking the same language that I spoke simply because I'm um, very big on the operation side, very big on the leasing side, you know, the training, the on-site side of things. Whereas NMHC, like you said, very high level, you know, and that, that was kind of the language that was being spoke. But being there, now that I'm integrating into this side of the business, I think it was huge. And I think the, the, the thing about NMHC is, like you said, you always have to calculate that return on your investment. Like, what are you going there for? And um, I think one thing that I did notice a lot about it is there's a lot of opportunity for, you know, people shaking hands and, you know, people doing business. And honestly, I think that was the perspective that a lot of people went in with, went into NMHC with. It's like, hey, we're going to set up a lot of meetings, we're going to book a lot of meetings. And then, you know, based around, you know, the different subject matters that we actually want to discuss, where we actually want to learn from, we're going to plug in and we're going to sit there. So one thing that I noticed, it was really awesome is everybody was a student first. Um, they went in and there were certain things that they wanted to you pick, pick up on because 
like what Warren Buffett says, if you're not learning, you're not growing, right? Everybody went there hoping to learn a little bit more about the data and, you know, the research and everything that was coming out of it. But they also set up a bunch of meetings. And that's one major takeaway that I took away from it. It's like, hey, you know, if you're going to go again next year, make sure that you sign up early enough and you get the list of everybody that's going to be attending and you start to cultivate relationships before. So then when you do get there, you can actually set up meetings around some of those very pivotal subject matters that you actually want to sit in on. And like you said, um, one of my favorite matters was the conversation of the CEO and the COOs and their perspective of overall operations, everything, right? So, I mean, they, they touched on just a lot of great things from, you know, the visionaries of the CEOs and the execution of the COOs. And they said, uh, vision without execution is simply hallucination. And I love that. <laughs> and just kind of getting to see all the different perspectives from a higher level, from the C-suite level, how are they thinking about the same data that we're receiving and how are they using it to make intelligent decisions about their respective companies, right? And that was awesome. And I also love the, uh, the guest speaker, Julian Lute, and you know his kind of perspective on making your organization an employer choice organization and really just investing in our people. Because as he said, you know, unemployment rate is at all time low. If you're not investing in your people, if you're not pouring into your people, you're not their only option anymore, right? So, so there was some content that was really like really great content, but I also liked how they separated where, you know, if you did need to break away and you needed to go upstairs and handle business, there was a whole hub area where people can kind of get together, talk about whatever business that they needed to. I did definitely bag a couple meetings. I'll definitely be more strategic in the future, um, but bagged a couple meetings, met some really great potential partners. And honestly, we're still having conversations as it is today. Um, and I think it's really good, especially transitioning into this side of the business where not necessarily on site anymore. And now, you know, opening up my business and doing things along those lines, like it's, it's just been awesome um, being able to see that side of it and, yeah. you know, just learning a little bit more. So although I wouldn't recommend a community assistant or, you know, leasing manager or um, general manager for that matter to, you know, come out of their pocket and, you know, go to this event, I would strongly advise like um, if you do do your research and you sit down and say, Hey, this is something that I want, make sure you're calculating the return on your investment. Um, because there is a lot of great content that does come out of it. Great, great. Well, Willie, I, I'm glad you got to to go to that, and I appreciate the the feedback that that you've given me. It, it was helpful having somebody that I knew could have their <laughs> theory ear close to the ground about everything that was going on, and be able to uh, to bring some of that back in my absence. So I appreciate that, and. and Hope it's something that we can we can do again next year. I think it's going to be in Miami in October of next year. So that should be nice as well. Well, hey, this episode, one of the main reasons I wanted you on here as the co-host is because we're actually featuring your idea presentation from our Southeast Summit, which uh, which was your topic was mindset over market. And I want to uh, I want to get into that in, in just a second. But any inspiration behind uh, why you chose this topic? I know we get into to a little bit of that, but is there anything that you want to let the listeners know before we push play on this? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I would just say this, and I'll keep it brief. It's that the market will always be the market, and you know what the market does is what the market will always do regardless. And there's going to be some variations. There's going to be some variable changes, whether it's a spike in enrollment or decline in enrollment, new builds coming online. Fact of the matter is the market's going to do what the market does. Um, But what I'm really passionate about is what do you do? 
when the market says no, yeah. like when things aren't necessarily always going your way or, you know, we all know what to do when leases are being signed. We all know what to do when, you know, traffic is coming into the office. But the question is when it's not, when adversity is there, when opposition's in your face and, you know, um, everything's not going according to your plan and the long, robust marketing plan that you put together at the beginning of the year, when it starts to deviate and your pace isn't on, on like in line with what you wanted it to be, what are you going to do? And um, that's what I'm really passionate about. And that's where this speech came about is like your mindset over the market, right? We are, we're all going to find adversity, whether we're just getting past it, whether we're in the midst of it or it's right around the corner, we're going to have our adversity. But the question is, where are you going to stand at the end of it? Are you going to rise or are you going to succumb under the situation and the circumstance? Perfect. Um, and that's where mindset of the market came from. And I'm really excited for you guys to listen to it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And the timing of this is perfect because I think everybody got their renewal rates out right around October 1st. And, um, and you know, now they've been in, in it a few weeks. They, they've gotten through kind of that initial push with renewals and that type of thing. And, and now it's, it's truly game time. You know, preseason is over with. <laughs> it's, Absolutely. It's, uh, it's game time. So this is kind of the perfect thing for, uh, you know, to make sure that you've got your team listening to this. And I, I truly think if, if, if you're a property manager or a leasing manager and you're trying to find out a way to to motivate yourself and and also motivate your team, I think this is something that's going to be something you'll find very helpful, regardless if you just send them this podcast to listen to or uh, we video recorded this as well. And so that'll be we've still got some post-production editing that's happening with that. So that'll be up on the YouTube channel before too much longer. But uh, I, I truly believe both. This presentation that you made along with your book is going to make a real difference in, in the bottom line for a lot of people, not just not just people overcoming their their struggle and, and some of their personal things that's going to end up helping them lease better. But I think it's also going to you know have a bottom line to you know to the investors as well, obviously, because if you've got a better leasing season, your your investors Absolutely. are ultimately going to be the ones that are going to be benefiting from that. So they with say that, high occupancy heals all wounds, right? <laughs> typically, typically. <laughs> um, so, hey, let's go ahead and hit play. I do want to tell everybody the person you're going to hear at the beginning of this is not Willie. Um, it's actually uh, Stephen Morrissey with Allbridge, who uh, was the um, was the sponsor for your for your presentation. Because of that, he got to introduce you, and it's he's uh, awesome. Yeah, he's he's been great. If you're looking for an alternative with internet distribution and, and TV channel lineup, Allbridge is, is great. They're a sponsor of our of our summits, and they've been really great to work with. So feel free to give them a call. We'll put his, his info in the show notes. So with that being said, let's push play. I was at the first one this year in Orlando. And I, as a vendor, we go to a lot of these conferences and we hear a lot of people speak. And most of the time, I zone out. Not going to lie. I zone out. I do some work. But the one thing that caught me with Willie was his passion. And you will find that. You'll see that when he speaks. And it will translate. And for you as salespeople, for all of us, I'm a salesperson, passion translates. What you're passionate about, you will probably sell well as long as you have the right tools in your hands. And so if you can catch anything from Willie, catch his passion. 
be authentic. Be who you are, but be passionate about what you're doing, and you'll find that success. So, Willie, come on and inspire us. Well, man, um, I have big shoes to fill. I wear a size 7. We'll be all right then. Well, honestly, guys, um, you guys can hear me, right? All right, first and foremost, I want to let you guys know it's been an absolute pleasure working with you guys, man. It's, it's, it's been amazing. Not only being the MC, but I'm completely humbled and honored to actually be able to be here and speak my piece and to hear all the really kind words, man. I, I don't know. It means a lot to me. But with that being said, I still remember vividly the moment that, uh, you know, I was in College Station. I was on a site visit and I was talking to Wes. I gave him a call. I was like, hey, Wes, man, crazy excited. I can't wait to be a part of the Southeast Regional Summit, man. This is going to be huge. I said, but if, Wes, if there was any one thing that you wanted me to talk about, what would that one thing be? He said, Willie, I want you to have full creative freedom over your ideas presentation because it's your idea. He said, however, if I was to implore that you speak up about anything, it would be, how do you find success in the toughest of markets? For example, you're in College Station right now. Like, how do you find success against all odds? I was like, yeah, Wes, absolutely. Like, in my mind, I was like, absolutely. I would love to talk about that. Like, absolutely. However... The one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to get up before you guys and tell you guys the five tactics that if you deploy in any given market, you're going to find success, right? Because that wouldn't be fair. That, that, that would be naive to say that your market's the same as your market and your market's the same as your market, right? I don't believe that. But I do believe this. I believe that there is one key component that's absolutely necessary that you have for any property, find success in any market, and that's your perspective. See, because the quote says, your perspective can be your passport or your prison. And the way that you view the things that you do will always dictate the way that you do the things that you do. So what I did want to get up here and speak to you guys about is my philosophy. And when I say my philosophy, I say my truth predicated upon my experience, right? Because that's all I know. And in my experience, what I learned was in order to really get a grasp of your perspective and really like hone in on it so you can find success in those tough markets, you have to change the conversation about three specific things, three aspects of your perspective. And that's one time, right? All too often we get in this conversation about how we need more time. And I don't necessarily believe that we need more time. I believe that we need better time. Two, we need to identify our reasons. It's like what Inky Johnson says, if the reasons aren't big enough, the excuses will be. And three, mindset over market. And once you just decide that you could be successful in your market, things start to change around you. Now, in order for me to give context to those three things, I would have to tell you guys what took place on August 25th, 2016. Like I still remember vividly, it was the first day that I got my very first new development apartment or contract, right? I was the lease up specialist. And I remember I took my one bag and I hopped out my lift ride and the lift drove off and I was sitting there and I was looking at just acres upon acres of absolute nothingness, literally just mud and yellow hard hats for acres. And I was like, yeah, this is it. This is my moment. Right. Like this is my opportunity to lay my stamp on this market. Right. Like 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 nobody else can stand right here right now and say that they branded this property from absolutely nothing and made an impact on this market. Right. It was huge to me. Like if this was a completely like if this was a book and all the pages were completely blank, it would be 100 percent up to me to write every word, to structure every sentence, to punctuate every period. Like it was 100 percent my responsibility to either make this book either a New York Times bestseller or 100% my fault if it flopped. Then all at once, everything that was once exciting, I was like, oh my God, this is it, this is mine, turned into pure terror, and it came from my toes to my head, and I was like, oh my God. 
Like, how am I going to be responsible for leasing up this property? Like, who am I? How am I qualified to do this? Right. Like at this point, you know, the only experience that I had was that of a leasing manager. And at least as a leasing manager, I had a leasing team. And at least as a leasing manager, I had a leasing office, not some makeshift trailer. Like, what? How am I? How am I responsible for leasing this property up to 100%? Right, dude. And I, I don't even know what a lease up specialist is. I felt like somebody made that name up, so I wanted to call my region. I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna call her. Like, there's no way. I need some help. So I called her. I said, hey, uh, you know, help me out. Do you have like a lease up specialist in a box or something? I have no direction. She, she said, she said, no, Willie, I don't. However. With your experience, I would advise that you make one. She said, what I would implore is go out there and make a marketing plan. I said, okay, marketing plan. All right, I have to make a marketing plan. Cool, that's the first step, marketing plan. So in order to make a marketing plan, I have to get to know the market. So that's what I did. I went out, I shook a few hands, kissed a few babies, met every general manager that I could. And it's funny because the narrative was always the same. It was, this market is oversaturated. There's too much supply to accommodate the few students that we have. And honestly, we didn't lease up last year, so you guys bringing in not one but two new phases in this market, I don't see it being successful. So nobody believed that this could be successful, right? Me, I had my own personal doubts. The market, they had their doubts because they had their history. And then on top of that, when I first signed the contract, I had upper management say, hey, Willie, this is going to be a bloodbath of a market. They didn't lease up last year. There's a high possibility they're not going to lease up this year. You're going to have to go out there. You're going to have to crush it and be the one that holds your head above water. I said, all right, we're going to go out there and do it. But honestly, I don't think that there was anybody that believed that 100% occupancy was possible. And I started going crazy. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to call my regional and tell her she set me up for failure. This is not going to work out. I wanted to call the owners and say, dude, what were you guys thinking? You guys are crazy. Right. I wanted to call everybody. And then all at once, I'm going through all these thoughts until until the one thought that mattered stuck out. It said, Willie, at what point are you going to be stronger than your strongest excuse? Like, at what point are you going to stop letting what others say that they can't do determine what you can do? Like, Willie, at what point are you going to realize that they didn't send you down from Washington to Allendale, Michigan, to make excuses about adversity and opposition that's going on in the market? They sent you out there to make a way out of no way. So it's time to get busy. And sure enough, that's what I started doing, right? Every handshake started to turn into a meeting, and those meetings turned into tours, and those tours turned into leases. And then all at one point, right, I started to like sign more leases than I had the bandwidth to withstand alone, right? So I called in reinforcements. I had another lease-up specialist come down and help me out, and he was helping me until I was able to hire my leasing manager. And my leasing manager, I've known him for seven years now at this point, right? He's in my fraternity. He matches my enthusiasm. He matches my energy. He matches my ambition. His name is Corey, one of my best friends in the world, right? And he's out there, and we're out absolutely crushing it. Two-man army and things are going great. And then we have the opportunity to cultivate a team around that same energy. Things were going perfect, you guys. I can't make it up. It was, it was, it was awesome. So much so, my regional, I reached out and said, Willie, you guys are doing great. Absolutely crushing it. You're outpacing last year's leasing. However, this time last year, actually next month last year, the new development from last year signed 164 leases next month. Now, although you guys are doing great, and I applaud you for that, if you don't sign 164 leases in this upcoming month, we're not, I'm afraid that we're not going to be on, pa- uh, on path or on pace to actually hit our leasing goals, and there's a high possibility that we're not going to lease up. I said, all right. 164 leases, like, okay, that's a lot of leases. Me, personally, I've never had the opportunity to sign 164. Well, I, ne- I just never did it, right? I, I signed 91 one-renewal deadline in a month, right? But even, in, even then, I had renewals to sign, right? 164 leases at a new development? Right, challenge accepted, I guess. 
right? So we went out there the next day, absolutely crushed it. Phenomenal day. So much so, Corey was like, hey, Willie, we deserve it. Let's go out. Let's have a night on the town. I said, yeah, let's do it, right? And we went out and we danced the night away. We had a blast. See, but in order to understand what happened next, or at least to understand my perspective of what happened next, you would have to understand what took place a long time ago in my life. See, when I was six years old, my mother, age 30, I lost my mother to the hands of colon cancer. Interestingly enough, 11 years later, now 17, my oldest brother, 22, I also lost him to the same fate. So let me put this in perspective for you. My brother at age 22, my mother at age 30, when I woke up at age 26, both four years after his untimely demise and four years prior to hers, like smack dab right in the middle, and I woke up with this incessant immobilizing pain, like right here in the upper left quadrant of my stomach that was similar to what both of them had described as a symptom of their early diagnosis, oh, my mind was in a dark place, right? Like it went completely blank. On a scale of one to life, like, you know, leasing, 164 leases, it's this big, right? I didn't care about that, right? Instead, right, I woke up with this pain and it was just incessant. It was in my stomach and it almost felt like somebody took their hand and was like pressing all their weight right here in my left quadrant. I didn't know what to do. Like I woke up, I was like, oh my God, what is this pain? Like what is happening right now, right? So day one, I'm a tough guy. I try to stretch it out like, all right, I got this. I'll be okay. Day two, I started doing crunches because it started to hurt a little bit more, right? I was like, okay, I have to work this one out. It's ab day. Now, day three, at this point, I feel like I have a full-on accredited doctorate at WebMD University, right? <laughs> because, right, like I know, and it's WebMD, right? I know it to be true, everything. Like, it has to be true, right? How is it not? So I studied everything, and based on all of my research and all statistical data, like everything, it was proven that there was only four diagnoses that it could be, right? It was either one, pancreatitis, two, appendicitis, three, I was in the first trimester of my pregnancy and I was, my womb was expanding, or four, I had colon cancer, right? And naturally, based on my history, my mind went to a dark place, right? I didn't want to do anything. Signing leases, follow-up calls, calling guarantors, it's big. Instead, what I wanted to do is I wanted to reach out and call all of my friends and let them know what they meant to me, right? Because I knew based on all the research and everything, like, I know my time was limited. I was down to my last minutes, right? I wanted to spend my time telling all my friends what they meant to me. So I did. I called all my friends, let them know what they meant to me. I called my girlfriend, let her know what she meant to me. I called, God knows I probably shouldn't have, but I called my ex-girlfriend, let her know what she meant to me, right? (laughs) I called everybody. And then I reached out and I called One of my best friends in the world, man, her name's Antoinette, and I reached out to her, and I started to go on this almost like full-on rant at this point. Like, it's almost routine. I said it so many times. I wanted to, I got on the phone, and I started talking to her. She was like, Willie, I'm going to stop you right there. She said, honestly, I'm I'm only going to say this because I love you, and you're my friend, and if I didn't say it, I feel like I wouldn't be being your friend. She said, like, we all have an expiration date, and we all have to get there eventually, right? However, if this was your date, and I had to get up on stage and I had to give your eulogy. She said, honestly, I would have to tell everybody that I didn't know you in your final days. She said, because the Willie that I know, this isn't him. Like the optimistic go-getter Willie that I know, this isn't him, the inspiring, motivating Willie. This is not him. So Willie, at the end of the day, if this was amongst our final days, like what's the legacy that you want to leave? Do you want to be this guy victimizing and quivering or do you want to be the Willie that we all know and love? And I got off the phone with her, I was like, it stuck with me. It touched me in a deep place. 
right? Because it's almost like what Zig Ziglar said, right? He said, when, when the end comes, make sure it finds you climbing a new mountain, not sliding down an old one. And the end will come. Maybe, maybe the end isn't as dramatic as that. Maybe it's just, you know, a promotion to your next job title, right? Or maybe it's life's promotion. Maybe it is. Whatever the case may be, the end will come eventually. But the question is, when it does come, what is the legacy that you're going to leave? Are you going to be somebody who was just sitting around and known, known for somebody who was sitting around counting the minutes and not making the minutes count? Or are you going to be known as somebody who was sitting around watching things happen instead of making things happen? Or are you going to be known as somebody that in the way that you do anything is the way that you do everything? And the passion that you have for anything is the passion that you have for everything. See, my perspective was different. And that same leasing month, we were supposed to sign 164 leases. 250 leases later, crushed it. Absolutely dominated it, right? Turned that market on its side. Thank you. And sure enough, We were fortunate enough to lease that property up prematurely. They sent me out to Chico, California to do a second new development, same leasing year, one lease, or yeah, two new developments, one leasing year, both leased up 100%, absolutely crushed it, right? And it was huge for me, but that wasn't even the most remarkable part. See, because from Allendale, Michigan, to Grand Rapids, Michigan, to Chico, California, to now here in Houston, Texas, where I live now, well, we're in North Carolina now, but I live in Houston, Texas, four different cities, many second and third opinions later, and I have all the doctor's bills to prove it, none of them have been able to identify what that pain was in my stomach. But every single one of them said it wasn't colon cancer as I'm here able to speak with you guys today, right? But why do I tell you guys that story? It's because this is what I found. Limitations only exist in our mind. But if you can use your imagination, the possibilities are endless. Like limitations, don't get me wrong, right? Market conditions, they're very real. I get it. Health conditions, very real. Like I lived it, absolutely. Tough ownership groups, I get it. They may not get it, but I get it. I I follow you, right? I'm right there with you, right? But to identify those as limitations, like restrictions, inhibiting you from accomplishing your goals, that's a concept of your mind. But if you can use your mind as a tool instead of allowing it to use you, things start to get remarkable. And that's why I'm so passionate about time. See, because notice how when we were talking about time, I was stuck right there in paralysis. Like, I was counting down all my minutes. I knew, based on the research, because I knew my market, I knew everything about my market, I knew for sure that that was the end. That was the definite, like, that. there was no other way that that could have went, right? I knew it to be true. Right. So in complete fear of everything of the unknown. Right. I stayed right there in complete paralysis and fear of something that not at present moment, nor three months down the line, nor here as we stand three years down the line, three years later, still don't doesn't exist. And not and it's not even guaranteed to exist ever. Right. But in that moment, I said still failure to do anything because I thought I knew everything. Now, the harsh reality is what really grinds my gears is the fact that that's the way that a lot of us treat our properties. Right. Because we're trained, because we're conditioned to know everything about our market and we know everything that every student likes in our market and we know every marketing incentive that's going to work and what's not going to work. We know everything about our market so much so we start saying no to different ideas that we don't even know what we're saying no to. Right. And it's almost like what Zig Ziglar or uh, it's almost like what um, Warren Buffett said. He said stock forecasters are only good for one thing, and that's making fortune tellers look good. See, we live in an industry of stock forecasters, or I mean, not stock forecasters, but forecasters. Too many people are like, oh, I know this about my market, so that idea is not going to work. Or, oh, I know this about my market, so that's not going to work. The fact of the matter is, you kind of got to try all these ideas. You, gotta have to be, you have to be a practitioner. You have to go out there and try it. And if you fail, then it's one failure, right? And I think the quote goes, if at first you don't succeed, 
you're running about average, right? <laughs> so so if, if you failed at that one marketing idea, cool, running about average. If you failed again, cool, you're running about average. But you have to go through those things because it's part of the process. You have to throw those ideas out there and you have to implement them and you have to try them, right? Because it's like what Thomas Edison said to his buddy when his buddy said, dude, how many times are you going to fail at making that light bulb before you just quit? And he said, I didn't fail 9,999 times at making a light bulb. He said, I found 9,999 different ways how not to make it. It's part of the process. You have to do these things. Otherwise, you're never going to accomplish your goal because the quote says, you don't have to be great to get started, but you do have to get started to be great. You have to try them, right? If you ever want to accomplish those goals. For, I mean, and I, that's what takes me to my second point, your goals, right? And having goals are a very admirable thing to have, right? Like you have to have a goal because the ship without a sail kind of just floats adrift. Like you have to have some direction, right? But the fundamental flaw with a goal and a goal alone is that it leaves room for but. Unless Brown says, but is an argument for your limitations. And if you argue or if you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. See, like, let's do a little crowd participation. Help me out here. Have you guys ever been in a situation where, you know, maybe it's Monday. You say, hey, I'm absolutely going to crush this leasing week. Right. We're going to crush it. We're going to sign at least 25 leases this week. Absolutely. I can't wait to do it. Right. So then you put together this elaborate plan. And then Monday goes by. Tuesday goes by. Wednesday goes by. Thursday goes by. And now here you're there on Friday scratching your head. You're like, wow, we only have 12 leases. Right. Like I wanted to sign 25 leases, but have you guys ever done anything like that? Raise your hand like you wanted to do X, but yeah, I feel like everybody has it to some degree. Right. But what happens after that? But what's said after that? But is always a justification for your limitation. We always say, oh, well, because of X circumstance, I wasn't able to accomplish. Y, Right. And because of that, you're like, okay, it's kind of the fluff to your pillow, right? It says, okay, you know what, that's, that's my justification. That's why I wasn't able to accomplish it. Therefore, it's okay. See, that's why a goal alone is not good enough. You have to associate reasons because your reasons make it non-negotiable. It's like what Les Brown says, put yourself in a sink or swim situation and here's what you'll find. You'll develop amazing swimming skills, right? You have to, like, failure cannot be an option. It reminds me of a, um, a place where I was actually out in a... Allendale, Michigan. And one thing that I didn't tell you guys about Corey and I was we went to college together. and We were like, dude, we're going to crush it. Not only are we going to crush this new development, but we're going to crush it in our health, in our fitness. We're going to get back in shape. And then Corey was like, yeah, let's do it. And it's funny because every day that we had a long day at work and I say long loosely because, you know, we'll get off at like six o'clock. Right. So we get off at six, six o'clock, call it a long, long day and say, hey, dude, we deserve this. Let's go out and have what's called a Diablo burger and a diabolical beer. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Probably the most, hands down, the most unhealthy dish that you can ask for, right? But it was phenomenal. So we would always justify negating our goal by saying, dude, you worked hard today. You deserve it. Go do it, right? Until I had my scare. Then all of a sudden, I start working out every day. I stopped going out, stopped drinking. And, you know, honestly, I went vegan for a little while, right? And I remember calling Corey and I was like, dude, Will you go on this journey with me? I'm going vegan, man. Are you down? He said, absolutely not. You're crazy. <laughs> so then our dinners start getting a little awkward, right? He had a full-on Diablo burger. I was eating quinoa. He called it bird food. It just didn't, it didn't sit well with anybody, right? But I had a reason. Like, I had a reason attached to it. Like, my life depended on it. So when we're associating these goals, it's like, what's the reason behind why we have to sign these leases? Why do we have to get 25 leases? Why do we have to accomplish this goal? Right. And then once you set that reason, just decide that you can do it. And that's what brings me to my third point. Mindset over market. Just decide. 
Because once you make that decision, you say, I can, I will, I must. Like if you just, if you just make that decision and can't that, and can't that, I can, I will, and I must. And I promise you, you will, and you shall dominate your market. And you will, and you shall conquer all of your competition. Why? Because you start to realize that it's no longer about your competition. It reminds me of when Corey and I, we did start working out. And we started going heavy. And we started working out every single day. And before um, any of the workouts, we would always run a mile. And it's funny because when Corey and I, we would go, like I'm very competitive, right? And we'll always run that mile and we'll get down to about eight minutes. And at the end of that mile, like I was like, as long as I beat Corey, I know that I did my job. I did everything I was supposed to. So I'll go out there and I'll, I'll beat Corey, like I'll beat him in a race and I'll, uh, 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 like I will be fully like exhausted, right? Exerted all of my energy and I knew I gave everything that I had until I went to California and Corey was no longer there. And I was like, okay, I still have to run the same mile but now all of a sudden, I can go bigger, I can go faster, I can go stronger, and all of a sudden, that eight minute mile turned into seven and a half, and seven and a half minute mile turned into seven, and now sometimes I'm knocking out a six minute mile, and I'm like, dude, how is it possible that I'm able to run six now, when I just knew I gave all of my energy to beating Corey, like I knew I gave him my all, but I could only do eight. It told me that there's some proof to the old African adage that reads, If you can defeat the enemy from within, the enemy outside can do you no harm, right? It was no longer about Corey. It was never about Corey. It was about me being the best version of me. And that's what I want to implore upon you guys. When we go into these markets, as long as you're comparing yourself to your competition, that's going to be the limit. That's going to be the best that you can do, right? Because as long as the market average is 53%, you're going to be content with 57. As long as Meadows, your competition, has 61%, you're going to be okay because you got 63%. But you have to realize it's not about Meadows. It's not about the market. It's about you working harder today than you did yesterday so that you can become the very best version of yourself tomorrow. It's not about the market. So in the spirit of decisions, you guys, just decide. Like, when when is this all said and done? I'm going to leave with this. You guys, when we go back to our markets and we start to take on this 2020, 2021 leasing year, just go in and make the decision that, hey, this is your year. And this is your opportunity to lay your stamp on your market. Right? Your book is completely blank and all the pages are yours. And it's 100% up to you to write every word, to structure every sentence, to punctuate every period. It's 100% up to you to either make this book either a New York Times bestseller or it's 100% your fault if it flops. But either way, no matter what, just make sure that this story is one worth telling. And if you need any help writing your story, meet me in the back and I'll give you a free copy of mine. That's my time, you guys. Thank you. Well, there you have it, guys. Mindset over market. Uh, I hope that is something that you're able to deploy this year, especially if you're in a tough market. Uh, that is, this is probably going to be something you're going to go back and listen to a couple times. So, <laughs> um, Willie, thanks again for for taking the time out um, for everything that you're doing for Student Housing Insight, uh, but for this podcast as well. And we're looking forward to to future episodes. Uh, one quick house cleaning item uh, or just something to, to let everybody know about. Don't forget, November 7th, this week at 1 p.m., we are doing our mental health webinar with Grace Hill, um, one of our other co-hosts that handles all of our on-campus topics and, and some of our student affair topics. Dr. Philip Batazuski out of Buffalo State <clears throat> is going to be on with me. 
on a webinar that we're doing with Grace Hill. It's free to everybody. I've had a couple of folks asking me if it costs anything. It's it's uh, absolutely free thanks to Grace Hill. So there will be a link in the show notes for registering for that. And I think that's about it. Anything else? No, I think you summed it up, Wes. Again, it's been an absolute pleasure, not only working with Student Housing Insight, but you know, being on this podcast and I can't wait for future ones, right? Absolutely. Thanks again. And we'll talk soon. All right.